Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 11, titled Reciprocity. Uh, Yet another very, very good episode uh, that once again I'm going to talk about a bit more scattershot uh, than I usually do. Honestly, the further this show gets into being fully serialized, which is a trend they very much got on by this point, The closer they get to that, the more they do that, the more I'm going to talk about this less as an episodic show and more as a serialized show. So, less of a play-by-play beginning, middle, end, and more of a jumping around, talking more generally about a series of disparate hanging plots. Because that's what you get episode-by-episode in serialization. So, uh, you might get more discussions like this, essentially. Watch the next five episodes be a... Solid beginning, middle, end. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, this episode starts off with a visit to the Massive Dynamic facility where they are holding the vacuum. Where they are holding the machine. Uh, It is almost fully constructed, save for the piece that Folivia, we're calling her Folivia now, save for the piece that Folivia took. And initially, we're like, well, we don't we don't really know. We don't really know. We don't know how it works. We tried a bunch of power sources. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We, it doesn't work. We don't know how it works. We don't know how it works. We don't know how it works. And then Peter comes in. And almost immediately, the machine roars to life. Almost immediately, the machine's like, hey, oh, I, uh, I, I got, I, I got thing. I, I got power source. I got, I got my Peter. Uh, so now I can, now I can go, now I can function, and, like, Peter's nose is bleeding, and there's that moment of shock when everyone's like, yeah, something activated it, that, that person's name is Peter, uh, so, if there was any doubt that Peter was the power source for the machine before, there can be no doubt about that now, (laughs) there can be no doubt that that is the thing that makes the machine go. That Peter is the thing that makes the machine go. And this leads to a whole bunch of tests trying to figure out what the connection between Peter and the machine is. We have no idea, no idea, no idea, no idea. While this is happening, we are also in the process of analyzing Folivia's files. Remember that computer that she left behind? Uh, well, they finally cracked into it and they finally got some files. It's the giant text file with Mission details buried underneath a bunch of random observations of our world. Uh, It's very hard to tell what's relevant and what's not. So they're just going through and going through and going through. Astrid's uh, got uh, tasked with helping. But Broyles really does not want Olivia and Peter looking at this. Because there are a lot of details about... Folivia's relationship with Peter under the guise of our Olivia. There are a lot of musings on the relationship between Folivia and Peter. There is so much 
And so, given the delicate nature of the Olivia Peter situation right now, we're not touching that. Broyles does not want to touch that. Astrid does not want to touch that. But Olivia the entire time is, like, insistent, insistent, insistent. Like, I can handle it. 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 Uh... Let me look at it. Let me look at it. Let me look at it. Peter's like, hey, look, I've conned people before, and I know what I would have written about them. She probably thought I was a fool. Uh, I do not want you to see me like that at all. And then eventually Olivia's like, no, no, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this. She's me. We think the same. I could probably do... I could probably shed more light on the situation than otherwise... Like, I, I'm looking at this. And then there's, like, the moments of Olivia reading, and she realizes that Olivia was actually falling in love with Peter, like, legitimately had feelings. And the entire time is rationalizing it, rationalizing it, like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. We think the same. We probably see the same things. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, we write the same. Like, Olivia has this moment of dissonance where she's like, damn, I'm reading this, and this is exactly what I would say, this is exactly how I would think in this situation. And, of course, that eventually leads to a breakthrough of finding the Olive Cipher and finding shapeshifter names and all that, blah, 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 blah. We'll get to that in a minute. Also, uh, Walter's trying to grow the brain bits back. Uh, Apparently, Bell made it so that the brain pieces can't grow back naturally. Uh, Nino did find a serum for in case, just in case, Walter needed to regrow his brain. That would negate, like, the preventative actions that William Bell put in. Uh, some of these samples are from lab animals and not coded to Walter specifically. Uh, Walter tries one and it's for a chimp. <laughs> So he, like, craves bananas and is displaying dominance and all that. Like, just, it's it's weird. It's a weird subplot, man. It's real bizarre. And then there's the dead shapeshifters. So, a bunch of shapeshifters are murdered in this episode. uh, With data storage disks removed from them. And these are names... That are in Folivia's files. These are names that are on Folivia's computer. So, someone with access to that information is tracking down shapeshifters and killing them. Now, the initial theory is that Walternate has a mole on this side. And he's cleaning house. He's cleaning house. He's tying up loose ends. Cleaning up after Folivia. And... We're on full Mohan territory. Like, everyone with access to those files is being interrogated with, like, some state-of-the-art super lie detector from Massive Dynamic. Uh, and those sequences are really, really cool. Uh, one of the bodies that drops... Has some blood on the fingernails. And it's AB positive, I believe it was. Which, 
the only person who had access to the files that has that blood type is Brandon Fayette. So we get a great scene where Brandon's getting interrogated. By the way, we haven't seen our Brandon Fayette in a while. Nice to see the non-serial killer version of Brandon Fayette again. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a thing. <laughs> that's definitely a thing. Alternate Brandon Fayette is definitely a serial killer. Uh, but so we have that whole awesome sequence. We have that whole awesome storyline. But eventually, it is revealed that it is not a mole from the other side. It is. Peter. Peter cracked the code first, figured out the olive thing first, and found which shape, which names on which lists were shapeshifters, and then is going after them, killing them one by one, and taking their uh, data storage disks so that he can find information from them, find out what they know. He is trying to one-up the other side, trying to one-up Walternate. Now, all of this is unbeknownst to any of our other characters. Until... Walter gets a call from Nina saying that she wants to schedule more tests with Peter, even though... Walter was told by Peter that he had to go into Massive Dynamic for more tests today, and that's why he wasn't home at the moment. For obvious reasons, this makes Walter super suspicious of Peter. Goes up to his room and immediately finds all of this work decoding Folivia's files, getting the shapeshifter information, and going after them. Walter finds the last name, goes to stop Peter, who is currently in the midst of a brawl with that last shapeshifter. By the way, there's two great shapeshifter death scenes in this. The first one is the woman in the alley who transfers into that homeless guy before getting murdered. That was cool. That was a really great scene. And then this final confrontation with this one guy who saw his comrades getting murdered and then went, huh. I could be next and was totally like 100% ready for Peter to show up. And we get this moment where the guy's like, I know who you are, Peter. We're not supposed to kill you, but that doesn't mean I can't hurt you. That doesn't mean I can't chop off a few fingers or remove an eye. Like this, this dude is just like nuts. This dude is just like, I am going to chop you up and make you tell me where you're getting your information. It's like, Jesus Christ. What the hell? (laughs) So, Walter comes in just at this moment, and this distracts the shapeshifter long enough for Peter to... Uh, overpower him, break free, and, like, chop off the shapeshifter's fingers in, like, this really phenomenal moment. There's so much mercury blood, which is probably how they got away with this on network television. And <laughs> and Peter just murders this guy and takes his data storage disc, and this is where Peter rationalizes, like, I had to know what they know, I had to know what they know, I had to know what they know. Uh, they're, they're soldiers, they're gonna... They're trying to kill us, and they're not even human. I'm doing nothing wrong. And then Walter's like, 
Okay, cool, you're doing nothing wrong. Then why the hell didn't you say anything? And this is kind of checkmate on the moral argument. Uh, But this is when Olivia breaks the olive code and finds a list of five shapeshifters that Peter was working off of. And is like, hey, Peter, who's definitely not killing these shapeshifters. Uh, We found the last two names. We're coming to the last guy's house right now. Hope you're not there having just murdered a shapeshifter. I'm innocent to all of this. I know nothing about what's happening. I I am blissfully ignorant about the current situation. <laughs> uh, Walter and Peter get away. They find the shapeshifter body, and they've hit a dead end. They failed. All these shapeshifters are dead. Uh, no one knows anything. And Walter doesn't say anything. And, by the way... When... Walter is talking to Peter about this after, like, whole debrief and all that. Walter makes the case that, like, every relationship is reciprocal. You, like, you basically get out what you put in. What you put into a relationship, the other person sort of gets that. It's kind of this synchronicity that people affect other people. And Walter theorizes that this works with the vacuum as well. Because Peter did not get super militant about killing shapeshifters until right after he connected to the machine. Until right after he connected to the vacuum. The vacuum changed him. It made him more violent. It made him more... uh, It made him more militant. At least for the moment, if not permanently. The vacuum recognized itself as a weapon and instilled that weaponization in Peter. Somehow... We don't know how because this thing is like super, super, super advanced technology. But that is very much what is looking to be the case. The timing works out. And this is advanced enough for that to be plausible. The vacuum, by the way, let's talk about the vacuum for a second. And you'll see this a lot come up throughout the season. The vacuum is one of those... Science fiction magic devices. Where it's advanced enough. It's overpowered enough. It's mysterious enough. There's enough of a question mark around the vacuum. That it can do literally anything and it'll make sense. Like, a lot of science fiction shows can have that sort of this is advanced and mysterious enough we don't know even a percentage of a, about it like we know really nothing in the grand scheme of things uh, and like fringe utilizes that idea of the mysterious future tech that uh, the mysterious futuristic tech that we know nothing about and we're not entirely sure how it works or what it does in practice. We know what it does on paper, but we don't know what it does in practice or how it works in practice. 
like it's one of those things that Fringe does very well where they where it's far enough off in terms of 2010 or 11 tech. I can't remember exactly when this this would have aired in 2011. It's so far ahead of 2011 tech. That's just like, yeah, futuristic shit. It's advanced. It's mysterious. We don't know what it does. Uh, of course, it could do insert magic plot <laughs> plot element here. Like, of course, it can do that. That makes sense because we know nothing. Like, Fringe actually utilizes that very, very well here. And we'll we'll talk about this reciprocal nature more uh, going through the series. We'll talk about this reciprocal nature more as we go on with the relationship between Peter and the vacuum, because let me put it this way. It doesn't come back in a tangible way that anyone says, but the more I think about what happens later, the more I think that came back in a much more subtle much more metaphysical and indirect way that I don't think really anyone has picked up on. And then we get this ending. We're not even done with the episode at this point. Then we get this ending where Brandon Fayette is showing Nina Sharp that they've got multiple copies of the first People book. A bunch of them. And they're different translations that came out within two years of each other. And counting uh, for translation errors and all that, they're almost literally word for word. They're all different translations written by different authors, but they all say the same thing. And apparently, Massive Dynamic. Apparently, Brandon Fayette and Nina Sharp are not the first ones to inquire about the first People book. A few years ago, a similar search for copies was started. By William Bell. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to let that sit. Suffice it to say, uh, there's some stuff going to happen on the first people front and on the vacuum front and on all of that that is uh, pretty damn good. That is pretty damn good to say the least. Uh, anyway, a uh, solid episode all around. If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer, feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push my button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time. It feels so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Uh, or... If that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, I just realized I forgot to mention the new Letterboxd account that I also have. That is TomTom4468 as well. I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. This is proof. 
Uh, <laughs> do not take anything I say seriously. Uh, unless it's about Fringe, in which case I'm the expert. <laughs> Tomorrow we will be discussing <laughs> Season 3, Episode 12. Talk to you then.